we want to um, make the oppo- most of the opportunity that Pastor Michael is with us. Uh, Pastor Michael, if you had, weren't there this morning, he's ministered for many years in Sri Lanka. He's led the, a, uh, the AOG, the Assemblies of God movement there in Sri Lanka. Saw the churches in his nation just multiplied and multiplied. And then has spent some time on the AOG World uh, Committee or the, the World um, Leadership Team. And, and now is, is free to travel in the nations. And he's based part of the time in USA, part of the time in Sri Lanka. But today he's in Lower Hutt. So why don't you put your hands together and, and um, bless Michael as he comes. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Paul. And uh, once again, thank you for inviting us to come and share with you. Uh, it's a great joy to uh, be here. There's something about the spirit in this place. Uh, this place is not just only a name, Hope Center. You always have hope, isn't it? And what we heard tonight in the prophetic word is, uh, you know, it's not something unusual, Pastor Paul, that many people around the world have been hearing this before COVID, that stadiums are going to be the places where God's going to move. And because churches won't be big enough. <laughs> and, uh, and, when, and when COVID happened, the stadium shut down. Which people never expected that, especially the people who worship the uh, worship sports, you know, they, I mean, they, their idols came down. And uh, because God is, God is just telling us, get ready. Amen. So keep your faith always high. Amen. I always believe in something big uh, because God can always do something bigger than what we believe, what we dream. He can never do anything less. I always say that. I said this morning, Whatever you write down, he will not do anything less. He will always do beyond. Because uh, it is said in Ephesians 3, 21, he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or <laughs> ask your think. Or think. And you can imagine. And uh, one of the gifts God has given us to humanity is the ability to go outside your body outside your physical reality and imagine. You know, I love imagining. And I, I imagine things. And, uh, and God says, if you imagine, I will do beyond that. <laughs> Amen? So don't lose that. You know, don't daydream. <laughs> but imagine good things. You know, one of the things I'm learning now is to get rid of disposing toxic thinking. You know, we are always bombarded with toxic thinking. And if you don't let it go out, it's going to stay inside, right? So every, every time you go to the washroom, you know, get rid of toxic material, get your mind also cleared. All the doubt, fear, uncertainty, negative talk, you know, clear it out. Get rid of it. It's not good for you. Toxic means it will destroy you. It can become cancerous. It become part of your life that you can't get rid of that kind of thinking. So ask the Holy Spirit to give you every day. Amen. Fill your mind with great imagination. Hallelujah. <laughs> Imagine. I went to a church in Australia that uh, the pastor's name is Jack Haynes. He changed the name of his church. Imagine nations. Imagination, but he called it Imagine Nations. And they work around hundreds of nations around the world because he said that's what God is imagining. 
And that's what missions is about today that we talked about. God is imagining nations. So what you said today about travel, you know, because you travel this world because it's, this is God's, earth is the Lord's. The earth doesn't belong to other countries, right? It doesn't belong to the United Nations. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It belongs to God, so get ready. As you travel, you have a message to give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This evening, I want to just quick, again, I don't want to say quickly because uh, <laughs> I don't know what time you finish. Well, I, I know there's a clock there. What, what's the time you finish normally? 8, 8.30? Okay, okay. In, back in Sri Lanka, we don't have clocks. We have calendars, you know. <laughs> we just tick the days as we go. <laughs> It will happen, I tell you. I have been in some revivals where people have gone through all night. Gone next morning, 4 o'clock. I remember in Australia, I was in a meeting once. We went there at 6 o'clock. Ended up at 3 in the morning. Amen. That's possible. That, that's what revival is. Amen. <laughs> it's not just a quick, you know, half-baked message. <laughs> right? Not microwave. Crockpot. <laughs> My wife loves crockpot. Whenever she comes to New Zealand, we can't do that in Sri Lanka. Uh, but, you know, she loves cooking on crockpot. Early morning, she puts it on and cooks all day. And... Amen? <laughs> so get ready for revival. <laughs> Amen. You know, there's been a lot of talk after this crisis. Uh, what is a post-COVID church? What is post-COVID? What's going to happen? And there have been this common, a new term is called the new normal. Have you heard that? New normal. And I've been talking to many leaders around the world, and, and one leader said, you know, what they call new normal is, for the church, is abnormal. <laughs> Don't accept it. I'm not talking about physical. I'm not talking about dealing with the virus. But I'm talking about the social condition that this virus has conditioned us. Many things that have kept us and said, you know, there will be a new normal. Be careful, be careful. That new normal is not based out of positive thinking, but out of restriction, out of uh, apprehension, or fear. New normal. But you know what the Holy Spirit says to us? And that is the post-COVID church will not have a new normal. For us, it will be revival. Amen. Our normal is going to be revival. Nothing less than that. And let's believe that. Let's expect that. Because that's what God has promised. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He said, I will. And if God says, I will, let's expect it. Let's not say, well, if he can do it, let him do it. No. Let's believe and say, Lord, we are waiting. We are believing. We are expecting. We are imagining. And so I just want to talk about today... Uh, getting rid of the new normal thinking. You know, one of the things I've been thinking is, uh, one of the things is masks. You know, I, know, I don't know if you had it here. You don't have many masks here. But you know, uh, the mask is in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, Moses, when he came down from the mountain, he had to put on a mask. <laughs> but in the New Testament, in First Cor Second Corinthians 3, it says the new covenant is an open one. We don't have to wear a mask before God. Amen. We can come open. And he says, we with an open face, when we look to the Holy Spirit, that's when the glory comes down. 
Amen. Although we did not phys- wear physical masks, we will often wear all kinds of masks, isn't it? Isn't it? It's not the time for masks. And one of the biggest casualties of mask wearing was the smile. Do you realize that? You can never know whether they are smiling or frowning. Is that right? I believe let's not lose the joy in the house. Amen. Our joy, the Bible says, let the Lord cause his face to shine on you. His face is going to shine on us. Hallelujah. So it's not the time for masks. It's not the time for social distancing. Let's keep, you know, let's keep God at arm's distance. Let's keep him away a little bit. I think that's an unrealized reality that we have got into that, you know, be careful with God. Be careful. Don't get too close to him. You might catch something. (laughs) Is that right? That's what social distancing is. Actually, as somebody said, it's physical distancing, but they said it's social distancing. God never wants us. It's not good for a man to be alone. God wants us to connect with one another. There's nothing called social or spiritual distancing in the new normal. For us, the closer we get, we catch something. Amen. <laughs> we are going to catch something bigger than the virus. Hallelujah. Joy is contagious. Many of the spiritual virtues are contagious. We catch it. In fact, you know, the third thing we call talks about a quarantine, isolation. You know, when it comes to spiritual healing, isolation is not a healing. The Bible says, do not neglect the coming together, fellowship. That's where real spirituality happens. There's no individualistic Christianity. Christianity is a community. Amen. And the Bible says there are at least 72 scriptures in the Bible, the New Testament, where it talks about one another, pray together, forgive one another, care for one another, pray for one another. Another. You need another to be spiritual. If you really want to be spiritual, you cannot be alone. Do you realize that? Hmm? You know, Jesus showed his... His, all his, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit by hanging around with some terrible guys, 12 guys, for three years. And people saw the glory. Not when he was up in the mountain only, but daily he saw, as he associated with people, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, all that comes when we associate. doesn't happen. You don't need it when you're alone. You don't need love when you're alone. <laughs> you need it when, with your brother and sister, with your wife. Amen. <laughs> so there's nothing called isolation. It's not the cure for Christian problems, spiritual issues. The more you get close to one another. If anyone's sick, anyone's suffering, what does he say? Call the elders of the church. Let them come and get connected. Don't, don't isolate yourself. That's not going to bring healing. Forgive one another. Be tender-hearted. All that happens by not distancing, <laughs> not isolating, amen, by being close to one another. And I was in a church recently, and a young pastor preached about Jesus uh, going to the house of Simon the leper. He was invited for a meal, 
And I was suddenly the Holy Spirit said, you know, if you want to invite Jesus to your house for a meal, it's a very expensive affair. Because he always had 12 people, 12 big mouths. <laughs> hungry mouths waiting. And he also said there were other women. There was a big crowd. Jesus never went alone to anyone's house. He always went with a crowd. So Christianity is not an individual thing. You have to get the crowd in if you really want to be a Christian. Amen? The only time he was alone was when he was with the Father in prayer. And he was on the cross. All the other times he went with his brothers. The twelve disciples. Amen? I know in the Western culture it's a very, uh, uh, very difficult thing to understand. In our culture when we go we take our family, children, everybody, all family. Because Christianity is a community culture. It's not an individualistic culture. I want you to understand that because if you really want to see Christianity grow in your country, you know, get close to people. Let, let it become a daily matter. It's not a, Christianity is not a weekend affair. It's not a weekend service. It's a daily. Daily they met one, with one another. Build that community. And it's that community that's going to show the glory of God to the nations. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So how do we come out of this crisis? We are going to come out victoriously. Amen. We are not going to come out with a new normal. We are going to come out with revival. And that's why I want to encourage you. I want you to believe it. I want you to speak about it. Because it's better to speak that than what the media tells us. I always say I refuse to tell what the media says. Because they already said it. Why did they want to use my mouth? Why should I waste my mouth telling what the media says? I'd rather speak God's word. I will speak what God says. I speak the prophetic words of being different, of having stadiums filled with God's people. Amen. Traveling around the nations of the earth. Hallelujah. And that's what I want to encourage you today. And so let's turn in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 3, a crisis that you know, God's people went through. I believe we do not only... Uh, face crisis, but we go through crisis. Through crisis. God's going to bring us through. The story of Daniel chapter 3 is, is begins with the king, Nebuchadnezzar, it says, and he made an image of gold. Chapter 3, verse 1. 60 cubits high, 60 cubits wide, and, and he set it up in the plain of Dura and, and, uh, in Babylon, and he summoned all the governors, everybody. And in verse 5, it says, as soon as you hear... The flute, the zither, the horn, the harp, and all the musical instruments. Who, uh, it says you, you must fall down and worship the image of gold. I believe every civilization, every era in society, leaders build up images of gold. And then one thing they demand from us is worship. Why did the Babylonian king set up a golden a golden image, because he wants to place the highest value on worship. And I believe today, as Christians, the world is demanding us. They set certain values and say, you better comply to this, or not, if not. <laughs> we are always challenged to bow down to the values of this world. And of course, everybody, the majority, they didn't have democracy at that time. Anyway, if they had democracy, he would have won the election because they had the majority on their side. Everybody bowed to the values of that party. 
But yet, the king demanded that all should worship. I believe the time is going to come when the world's values will not be only displayed or expressed, but they will demand. They will demand from you to bow. Bow down. But I really believe this morning, this evening, the word that our brother brought about Caleb. He said he had a different spirit. If you really want to make an influence in the world, you cannot go with the crowd. You cannot join the majority and make a change in a nation. Only politicians can do that. <laughs> but we are called to be the minority that stands up, the ones who are different. And when you are different, that's where the impact of your life will happen in your nation. Amen? Being different. And so the king said, I wanted a statistical report. How many are worshipping me? They said, everybody is doing it. Everybody is worshipping this idol. But he said, I want the final report. And they said, 99.9999% is worshipping. But not the 100%. Why? There were three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They decided to be different. And my challenge to you today in this post-COVID church, that we have to be different. We cannot go with the flow with what the world is doing. We have to take a stand. And we must say that our influence happens because we are different. Amen. And so they, they said, okay, if you don't worship, we are going to put you in the fire. You know the story. I don't have to go through that. But I just want to share with you how they came out of this crisis. You know, we all go through crisis. The sun and the rain comes on all of us. For Christians, there is no different sun. <laughs> God doesn't put an air conditioner for Christians. You know, he, 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 we go through. But the difference is that we come out victoriously. Amen. And I believe there are some of you this evening, you are going through the fire. Because these people were put in the fire. In the fire. I also believe God is telling us that he's taking us through experiences. God never puts us into the fire. It's the enemy who puts them into the fire. Now it's very important to understand that, that you know, when trouble comes, when you get in two situations, don't blame God. God didn't put you there. But God says, I will take you through it. I will go through it with you. Amen. So the king of Babylon put them in the fire, put them to the fire, seven times hotter. But then God says, I'm going to be with you through it. Amen. Amen. If you don't know the difference between the two and the true, you will be blaming God. The devil, the enemy will put you into trouble. He will. He's a master of that. He will cause all kinds of evil around you. But God says, even when you walk through the fire, when you through the water, he didn't say, I will put you into the water or to, into the fire, through the fire. Amen. And so this evening... I want to tell you that whatever the enemy will bring, even if it's COVID crisis or whatever it is, God is going to walk through it with you. Because he says when the king looked at these three people and suddenly it says, uh, he says, I see a fourth person. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
I see a fourth person. I believe this is a time for Jesus to manifest through his people. It's not when everything is going well. It's not when everything is successful. Even in the fire, in the middle of the most adverse situation, Jesus is going to manifest through the church. And listen, people are watching you. People are watching you. I believe uh, one of my one of the amazing experiences or testimonies I have is my, my wife had an uncle who was a principal of a, of a school up in Hawke's Bay. And he was, uh, he was totally against Christians. And uh, my wife and I used to tr- go to his house and, and he would just, you know, look down on us. And he said, you, you, are, you, know, you don't use your intellect. You are foolish. You know, you, you, I'm an educated man, you know. Uh, Christians don't think. And, and he, he used to ridicule us many times. And I remember once after we went back to Sri Lanka, about, after about 10 years, we heard that he's got saved. <laughs> I was really shocked. <laughs> How did this man get saved? And then a few months or a few years later, we heard that he's a pastor now. <laughs> wow. So I was, we were in New Zealand, Sri Lanka. We could, so when he, when he came back, I want to visit him. I, I, I visited the town he was living in, and, and I want to go and meet him and say, uh, Uncle, I want, to, I, I want to tell me, how did you get saved? How did you become a pastor? Because <laughs> you were so against us. I thought maybe he had a big miracle or something like that. You know what he told me? He said, there was a teacher in my, he said, in my school. He was a Christian. I didn't know that. But his wife had cancer. And he said, I watched this man, how he walked the journey with his wife. His wife actually died eventually. But he said, I've never seen anyone show love, compassion, and care for. And he said, I have all this education. I have all the wealth, but I don't have what he has. And he said, I've been watching this man. And he said, I went to the funeral, and I saw how he was talking about hope. And so he spoke to him after this event. He said, tell me, how is that do you go through this? And he said, that's what made me a Christian. He shared, his teacher, his school teacher shared the gospel with the principal and he got saved. And he became a pastor eventually. (laughs) Friends, I want you to know, when you go through the fire, people are watching you. Not when you go through the, the glory time or when you go through the joy. Everybody knows how to go through that. But they are looking at you. They are watching you. They watch your words. I remember when I was in Bible school here, uh, way back in 1970s, I was working in a shoe factory in, in Wellington. The, it's a big shoe factory. I used to work there for four hours, five hours every day, and then come and study in the Bible school. And the man, uh, he knew I was from the Bible school. The first day when I went to the factory, he said this. He said, you know, there are two things I don't want people to discuss in my office. Two things that divide society, politics and religion. So you cannot talk about these two things in this factory. Okay. He was politically incorrect. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so I could not speak a word about the gospel. But I worked for over one and a half years. And then I um, was a very rich man. And, uh, and I, I left back to Sri Lanka. I just to send uh, a letter occasionally to him. And after about two years, he wrote to me and said, Brother Michael. 
I knew something has happened. <laughs> and then I communicated with him, and he had become a Christian. Again, when I came back to New Zealand, I asked him, how did he get saved? He said, he said my wife had a miscarriage. Everything I believe. You know, he used, to, he used to collect English cars. That was his hobby. He was such a rich guy. And he said, when my wife had a miscarriage, I did not know where to turn to. And he said, I remembered you. You worked in my office, in my factory. You know. So I want you to know, friends, people are watching you. People will watch your life and turn to the Lord. And so in this crisis, these four people, three people, went through it. But they did not only go through it, they come out, came out victoriously. Listen to the scripture in Psalms. It says that, 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 that the Lord, you know, he, he be with us even in through, through the trouble. He says, you know, uh, he says, you let people ride over our heads. And we went through the fire and water. But yet you brought us to a place of abundance. Psalm 66 verse 12. Went through the fire and water. Have you felt like that people are above riding on your head? Your bosses are riding on your head. But God says, I'm going to take you through that. That's what I felt when in, I was working there. He was over my head. He controlled everything I did. But yet, God took me through that. My head didn't get affected, but his head got affected. Amen? <laughs> Amen? I always tell people, especially if you want to do ministry, be a doormat. People will walk all over you. Walk all over you. But you know what will happen? Their feet will get clean. Their feet will get clean. Amen. Let people walk over you because it's not going to affect you. Their feet are going to get cleaner. I don't know whether you have this doormat here in our country. It's so dusty and dirty. You have to have a doormat before people come in. Everybody... Hallelujah. Four things I quickly want to mention. It says when they came out in Daniel chapter 3, it says, so Sadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I think it's verse 26. Uh, 26 uh, the king said, come out. And so they came out of the fire in verse 27. And they saw, all the officials saw, the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was their head, hair of their head singed. I don't know the new translation, what it says there. Uh, yeah, hair was not singed. And then he said, their robes were not scorched, and no smell of fire was on them. I believe the post-COVID church is going to come through victoriously, and there are four things that the world is going to notice. Number one, he said their body was not, were not burned. I believe the body of Christ will not be destroyed by this crisis. Amen. I didn't hear an amen. amen. I know a lot of there are prophets of doom. There are people who are talking all kinds of things about the church and against the church. I want to tell you the body of Christ cannot be destroyed, cannot be burnt. The church will stand victoriously. God is big enough to look after his church. You know, last year, last Easter, soon after you had your, or soon before you had your Christ church uh, shooting, you know, so many were killed. You know, in Sri Lanka, we had these bombers who came, six suicide bombers who walked into our churches and they exploded themselves. Over 300 people were killed on Easter Sunday morning. 
two Catholic churches and one Pentecostal church. They were packed with people, and a lot of children died. I think I told the story last time. But you know, when that happened, everybody said, the government said, you, you know, you can't have church because it's dangerous. They said there are more suicide bombers who have gone and been trained by ISIS, and they are here to destroy this nation. So they stopped everything. You know, we had a lockdown for three months <laughs> without all the COVID. Just the fear, fear of bombs. And the first thing they said, you cannot have church. We cannot provide security. So the first Sunday, we did not have church. But we called our leaders together. And we said, we are not going to allow, not that we were against the government, but we said, worship. Again, worship is the key. Worship has to do with what you value. Worship has nothing to do with things. Old Testament, it was about things, about sacrifices. But in the New Testament, worship is about value. What do you value most? What do you put the highest treasure? What are you willing to sacrifice in relation to other values you have? That's what worship is about. So I called the people together and said, we are not going to stop worship. Because I said, 300 people died. They did not just die of a bomb. They died as martyrs in the house of God. They died for what they believe. And I said, how can we close our churches, the house of God, when these people have sacrificed their lives for the house of God? So I said, next Sunday we are going to open our churches. I said, these people died for what they believe. They did not just die in a building. They died while worshiping. And I said, our true Security comes from worship because our God lives in the midst of worship. I said, once you stop worship, we have no security. So we told the police and the army, we said, okay, if you, you can provide, but we will provide our own security. So we quickly got teams together in every church, gave them a quick training, how to check the body checks, the handbags, everything was checked. No strangers were allowed. You know, and we had our security, but we started worship. Amen. And once you start worship, you know what happened? Then other churches, the Roman Catholics stopped for two months. One month they stopped worship. But they watched us. <laughs> they watched us and said, we are going to open. And then the businesses start to open. They said, the schools cannot be open. Sunday school cannot happen. So after about a month, we started Sunday school. We said, our kids are secure in the church. And then the school started opening. Amen. You see, we, the body of Christ cannot be destroyed. The body was not burned. Hallelujah. I want to tell the church in New Zealand, it doesn't matter what the world says. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is triumphant, victorious, and shall live forever. Gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The only thing that can destroy the church is church itself. If you fight and bicker and bring division and strife, that's how the church will get destroyed. Amen. Number one, the bodies will not burn. Number two, it says that their hair of their head was not singed. You know the first thing that fire affects is, is, is the hair. I know one of the greatest dangers of the COVID crisis, what, what got into people's head more than their bodies. The minds were so much fearful. People lost all hope. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a believer of hope. A lot of people have lost hope. 
you know, I will always give hope to people. I always think of this church, Hope Center. I always, because hope is the most important thing in life. Once you lose hope, there's nothing to live for. I believe a lot of people have got into their mind, their head is affected by this crisis. And I pray that the church here will not carry that, that kind of thinking. We have a renewed mind. We have a victorious mind. Our mind is not affected by the hopelessness and despair. We have hope. Hallelujah. But once you lose hope, listen very carefully. Once you lose hope, you lose your capacity of faith. Because the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And that's why the enemy comes and takes away hope. Because he knows if he takes your hope away, then there's no substance for faith. You cannot have faith in God. And this evening, it's my desire that as I speak, whatever your hopeless situation is, that God will bring hope to you. Bring hope to you. And as you have hope, then faith will come in. By the, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. But if you have no hope whatsoever, if you are given up on hope, you will never have faith. You never have faith. I want to encourage you. Begin to be a, a dealer of hope. Give hope to people. Speak hope to people. We are called always to hopeless situations. Give hope. Amen. Hope center. <laughs> You are the hope of this city. If you have lost hope, there is no faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. Amen. I just want to tell my brother and sister here, God's going to make you people of hope. Right now, you are facing a very hopeless situation. It seems that there is nothing beyond that. But God is saying to you, I'm a God of hope. In Romans chapter 5, Third, chapter 15, verse 13. Maybe if you can put it up. Romans 15, 13. It says, the God of hope will fill you with great joy and peace in believing. God's going to give you such hope today. Not only for yourself. You know, you're going to be a distributor of hope. An agent of hope. And that's what he says. Look at the scripture. Sorry. Romans 15, 13, the one, one before that, it says, God of hope. His name is hope. Hallelujah. God of hope. Fill you with joy and peace. When hope comes, joy and peace comes. See, the enemy robbed your joy and peace because hope was taken away. But God is bringing that hope back to you. And then it says, in believing, in believing, when hope comes, you begin to believe. And then he says, you abound in hope. You have abundance. You're going to flow out. When people come to you, they will see hope in you. Amen. I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, I release that anointing over this couple here. Yeah. And God will touch you and give you hope. Give you hope. A God is a God of hope and love. Hope and love. The lost hope is going to give you back now. New hope will rise up from within. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The hair was not singed. Third thing, it says their garments were not burnt. I believe Christians have an identity that these three Jews 
had an identity because the garb they wear. They had an identity. And that identity cannot be destroyed by the fire that you go through in life. In fact, it's in this crisis that people saw the fourth man, Jesus, with them. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. He has given you the garment of righteousness. Amen. Righteousness has nothing to do with sin. Listen very carefully. Most of us think when as soon as you say righteousness, we think you have sin. Oh, I have sin in my life. Righteousness has to do with your standing with God. Amen. Nothing to do with sin. Your righteousness is about your standing with God. And you have a standing with God. And that's your identity. Amen. And the one who dreads that most is the devil himself. <laughs> because he knows the righteous shall be bold like a lion. He's only a roaring lion. But we are bold as lions. Because we have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Our identity cannot be changed by this crisis. Christians, <laughs> you are the salt and the light of the world. Without you, there's no light in this world. Without you, there's no hope in this world. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This dear sister, I want to tell you, yeah, God's righteousness is the strength you have. It's not your righteousness. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. But the enemy has tried to make righteousness about your ability and your disability, your failure and your success. There's nothing to do with your righteousness. So you stand right before God. And every time you say, I stand right before God, my righteousness is in Christ. Amen. It's in Christ. I am righteous. You know, righteousness is not a, it's not a, it's not a verb. Oh, we understand. It's not something you do. It's a noun. It's a name. And so you are righteous. So your identity is in Christ. And therefore, you are righteous. Does that, does have nothing to do with what you did or what you did not do. But the enemy is a master liar. He will condemn you for the things you have done, even the things you have not done. But don't go on that. Believe that you, your garment is not going to be burnt. You, are, you have the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. And that will give you boldness, courage to go forward. Finally, it said the smell of fire was not on them. The fourth thing, we are going to come out of this crisis without the smell. Without the smell of fire. I wonder what smell do you carry? You know, we know, you know, if you go those days in a bus, you know, if they smoke, you carry the smell, isn't it? Somebody smokes, that gets into you, that gets into your garments. We are not going to carry the smell. We are not going to carry the COVID smell in the post-COVID church. Amen. We have something greater to talk about. We have something more glorious to think about. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2, I think. Let me quickly read that. It says that, now thanks be to God. Chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. There's a fragrance. There's a fragrance. Sweet aroma, it says. Amen. There's a fragrance. 
these people did not carry the smell of fire. Many people, what they have gone through has left a mark, a hurt, a wound in their lives. Their experience talks more than their future. Their past tends to define who they are than what God has defined them. The smell is not going to be on us. Amen. You're going to be an influence. Hallelujah. This young lady over there. Yeah, that's you. You never thought it's you, right? Because you always thought it's somebody else. Whenever I prophesy to people, they always look back. Because they say, it's not me. I can't be me. Because God is never, never wrong. God is always right. Amen. I want you to know, I used to sit in the back of the church for many years. I thought, you know, I had nothing in this life to give or to do. I just went to church because I had to go because I thought that's a good thing to do. I never realized that I, was, I had to be involved in something bigger than myself. And, and you have never experienced that. Involved in something bigger than yourself. You have been living your life within yourself. Within your ability, within your capacity, within your education, within your understanding, within your strength. But tonight God is going to release you from that. You're going to connect to something big. Because from you, God's going to diffuse his fragrance to many, many people. I can see that, literally. Many lives are going to be touched. You know, you don't have to advertise. You advertise normally uh, fragrance, but once you wear it, you don't have to advertise it. You, you understand? <laughs> they, they advertise to sell it to you, but once you wear it, you don't have to advertise. And that's what you are. What you are in Christ, people are going to see that. They're going to have a great influence on many lives. Hallelujah. I just want to pray. Will you stand for a moment? The anointing is going to come on you. The presence of Jesus, yes. That's him. Father, I just release your anointing over this young life. I thank you that she's going to carry something of you, something of your presence. That she will not be seeking the presence, but she, she, you are her presence, Father. Where she is, you are going to be with her now onwards. And wherever she goes, she's going to carry the fragrance of Jesus. Fragrance of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Nothing can stop. Nothing can stop you because you have the fragrance of Jesus in you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know the number of times people stopped you. God say nothing because you have the fragrance of Christ in you. Amen? Amen. Church, we are going to come out victoriously. Amen. The body of Christ cannot be burnt. Hallelujah. Our hair, our head is not going to get affected by the past. We have the renewed mind of Christ. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Our garment, our identity did not change because of the COVID crisis. What God called us to be, that's what we are. Amen? And we carry something of influence to other people. Hallelujah. 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 This lady at the back here with the red. <laughs> yeah, the one with the red. Yeah. Just wanted to stand up. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's you. That's you. <laughs> You're not a part of the crowd. You are individual. There's no one like you. You know, if you look at your thumbs... You know, the, your thumbprint, nobody matches. You know, you're special to God. 
And uh, the world doesn't say that. The world says you are not, 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 not a number, not a citizen in a country, but God says you are mine. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Isaiah 45, I called you by my, your name. You are mine. And that's, where, that's why when you walk through the fire, when you through the waters, I will be with you. And you have misunderstood life in one sense. You feel that God has put you in two situations, as I said earlier. God never puts us into. The enemy has put us. But he says, I'm going to walk through, take you through that. Amen. From now onwards, you'll be so glad to go through experiences. Because when you go through, people are going to follow you. Because people don't know how to go through experience. Because the Lord says, I will guide you. I will walk with you. Today, millions of people find inspiration by these three young men. Amen. Why? Because they went through it. They said, even if God doesn't deliver us, we are going to still go through it. <laughs> Amen. Many people want to go through on a bargain. You know, say, if you do this, I will do this. But you're going to be one of those people. You say, even if nothing happens, still I will follow. I will go through this. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's a powerful thing. It's more than doing miracles. Because people do not, out there do not know. They don't want miracles. They want to know how to live in challenges. They want to know how to go through difficult situations. They, they are looking. They are desperately looking for that. The film stars can't do that. The great, uh, what do you call them, the, the, the most popular people, they know how to be successful. They don't know how to go through challenges. They are looking at you. And they will follow you. Amen? Amen. Father, I just release your presence over her. I thank you, Lord, that you promise you are mine. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And you said, therefore, when you walk through the fire, when you walk through the waters, it shall not overflow you. It shall not burn you because I am the Lord your God. I just pray that anointing will stay with her from now onwards, that she be a true woman. May she be always willing to go through experiences with you, Lord, and people will see and follow. See and follow. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't lose the joy, your sister. Don't lose the mask. Don't put on the mask. God will fill you with great joy. And joy is going to be the strength of your life. The source of our strength doesn't come from hard work, from exercise. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So your real source is joy. Sorrow takes away your joy. Sorrow takes away your strength as well. Amen. It doesn't mean that we don't go through sorrow, but he will turn our sorrow into joy. Amen. And so the, the joy that's in you, you know, it's, it's visible because we know that it's not, it's not a, it's not a you know, TV smile. It's, it's a joy of the Lord in you. Amen. And people are watching that. People are seeing that. And then the strength is going to flow from your life. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Whenever you get weak, just start laughing. Uh, that's, that's the total opposite. People, when you are weak, they cry. But if you want strength, just begin to laugh. And God will give you the joy of his way. Increases every day, the Bible says. Amen. Amen. That's an amazing asset. No money can buy that joy. <laughs> you don't need to travel on a Mercedes Benz. You, you can go walking on the road without a car, but still you have the joy that's more valuable than all the money in the world. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I also feel that there are people who need healing. The Holy Spirit is here to touch. I know we all get sick. But I believe the presence, as we sang this evening, I was, you know, brings healing. God's healing presence is here. And it says that while the word was spoken, the power of the Lord was present to heal. So at that moment, there was a healing presence. It wasn't there all the time. But at that moment, then Jesus was in that house in, in Nazareth, I think, where he was teaching. As he was speaking, the power of the Lord was present. So the presence of healing comes when you listen to the word. Amen. And so I believe this is one of the times that the healing virtue is available. Hallelujah. And we want to pray with you. He said, okay, Pastor, yeah, we, we get the team together and we pray for healing presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the powerful things, uh, I, I really want to share this last thing, and that is uh, when I look at New Zealand, I come on and off here. Uh, in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, it says, In the last days I will pour my spirit on all flesh, on all flesh. But then it says, the immediate, immediately after that it says, what does he say? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I believe the enemy has stolen the sons and daughters from the house. There are many here I know you have lost your sons and daughters to the devil. Because the devil knows how powerful your sons and daughters are. Because they are the key to revival. He said when he poured out his spirit, he says, my sons and daughters... He didn't say the old men, they will see visions and dreams, that's all right. But the ones who will speak the future of a nation are the sons and the daughters. Sons and daughters will prophesy. I want to really pray that we're going to recover them back. Amen. We're going to recover them back. We're not going to tell the devil, you, can have, you cannot have our children and grandchildren. Amen. It's time to talk not what the devil has done. It's time to talk to the devil. I know many people talk about the devil. He did this, he did that. But now, today, it's a day to go back and talk to the devil. And say, devil, you cannot have my children. You cannot have my grandchildren. They are sons and the daughters of the living God. We're going to reclaim them back. Hallelujah. Sons and daughters, we prophesy. Amen. That young lady at the last one, yeah, yeah. You're going to be one of those daughters who are going to prophesy. Prophesy has nothing to do with mystical feeling. To talk about speaking the future. You have a lot to talk about your past. But God said, from now onwards, you're going to speak the future, which is not there. But I'm going to give you the words. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. Oh, that's a dangerous thing. If God puts words in our mind, we can, we can filter it and sort it out and, you know, when God says, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. But that's a powerful thing. That's something you never thought of. Something you never manufactured. Something you never processed. But that word, that's how the prophets spoke. They spoke when God's word came into their mouth. And you're one of those prophetesses. Sons and daughters who will speak. But God speaks. Amen. Are you ready for that? And that's scary. 
<laughs> yeah, that's scary. It is scary. But that's reality. That's what the, the future will change the future. Amen. But in your thought processes, you have nothing to offer to this world. Is that right? <laughs> All your imagination and thinking. But when you get God's word in your mouth, you're going to release. Father, I just release. Will you lift your hands? Just lift your hands. Father, I release this young life. You say out of the mouth of the babes and the young that you silence the enemy. You don't need an intellectual mind or an eloquent tongue. You need a mouth of a child, a mouth of a person who says, I do not know how to speak. Like Jeremiah said, I don't, I don't know how to speak. But you said, I will put my words in your mouth. So I release her right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, take over now. Take over, take over now, take over. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Any other sons and daughters who will say, yes, I'm willing to speak. I'm willing to speak. Hallelujah. Any sons and daughters? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you. Father, I just thank you for your presence. It's not just an experience, but it's a reality that many churches don't have. I thank you what you're doing in this house, Lord. We value that. We, we don't take it for granted. We don't take it and say it's another Sunday. But it's the day of the Lord. You are here. The day of the Lord, not our day, but your day. I recognize that right now you're doing something in the hearts and lives of people. Holy Spirit, I release your presence and thank you for what you're doing. I affirm what you're doing. I affirm that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. Mm. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. The prophetic word that came this evening about the flood. One thing that you never saw can happen, can change in few moments. That's what the great awakening happened in, in, in England and America. Jonathan Edwards, the great revivalist, said, when, when revival comes, what could have been done in years will happen in few days. Few days. I believe, get ready for that. It's not just another idea. It's a prophetic word. And God speaks, I believe, you know. Things, landscape can change so quickly, so quickly. Hallelujah. Amen.